Folks, welcome to the Horror Movie Podcast. My name is Jack. Thanks for downloading this episode. Um, guys, you can follow us on Twitter at One Horrible Movie. I send out really dumb tweets a lot of times, or I will retweet junk that I, some people look at and click on and retweet. Others don't. Twitter is a weird place. It's a very weird place. Like, I is it? Are you? Are people seeing what I'm doing? Are they responding? Who knows? Jerry McMullen is here from the worst Hello. Com- com- podcast ever. And Jerry, you are on Twitter, correct? I am. I've got a. Yeah. We've got a Twitter for our podcast. It's at WCP. WCP ever. I always got to double check myself on that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for my own, I do a personal blog where I review uh, the black and white reprint editions from Marvel and DC, and that's uh, at Essential Showcase. Okay. So yeah, I, I I really find I'm telling you though, like I kind of like Twitter some days, and then other days I'm just like, I, you know, like I think if you're a big celeb and you tweet something out, you're gonna get retweets just galore. Mm-hmm. I think if you're um, street level uh, defenders like we are, um, you're not you're not gonna get the same play, which is really yeah. weird to me. This is a weird place. It, we struggle with it all the time with the podcast. It's like, do you feel like it's necessary? Oh, and be um, honest. Be honest. I'm not going to be like, oh, I think it's important. I think it's becoming more important if we're trying to target a younger audience. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I think Facebook has become the the social media for grownups, and <laughs> a lot of the Younger demographics are mm-hmm. going to Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Yeah, um, and, and those are two you just listed off. Instagram, and even, and then even weirder to me is Snap, 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 Snapchat. <laughs> sorry, Snapchat. You and can't it's like say yeah, it, you can't use. It. I didn't say it. Yeah, I didn't say it. Um, but it's like I just that stuff is foreign to me. Just like I don't even. And I work. I work in a school district, and so I'm around high school kids, and. That to me, like they they do some stuff with their uh, smartphones, and they get in trouble with the laptops and everything. School owned laptops and things like that. And you just go, did you not think that that would get you in trouble? But it's it's just that that mindset. I don't know. I didn't mean to go down to old Grandpa Jack's uh, train. <laughs> Back when I was a kid, we played Oregon Trail with five point two floppy disks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> This is weird. It's like a disconnect, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so I digress. My parents don't have the internet anymore. They got rid of the internet, which, like, that makes sense. They would get rid of the internet, but it makes me laugh because I kind of wish that I could sometimes get rid of the internet, too. But anyway, maybe I shouldn't say that on this. Um, Facebook, we have a Facebook as well. Yeah. Uh, just search us online, uh, The Horrible Movie Podcast. Uh, and you said you have a Facebook as well, Jerry? I know yes. you from Facebook, so yes, I do know that you have a Facebook. <laughs> so anyway. Yes, uh, you can find the podcast out there, Worst Comic Podcast Ever, as well as my blog, blah, blah, blog, Essential Showcase. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do a blog about the different incarnations of the movie The Blob. <laughs> you just said that, the blog, yeah. and then it could be The Blob. <laughs> um, that'd be weird. Uh, so... 
anyway, uh, what else? What else do we have? You can find us on iTunes, and you're on iTunes as well. Um, we are. Yes. Uh, we are on Google Play. We are on – we found out, too, because we're on the Revolver Podcast Network. We're on iHeartRadio, and we're on Spotify Mobile. Yeah, pretty cool. That's kind of fun. I've, I've tried to get on – I've tried to get on the iHeartRadio one, and I can find it, but I've not really played around with it very much. Um, anyway, anyway. Um, Jerry, today is Black Friday. Yes, you, it is, and I am safely bunkered down in my basement. I didn't know if you were going to venture out to um, maybe there. I mean, I'm not sure what you're what you'd be into to go get. What 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 would bring you out of the basement? Um, I I saw an ad for Sam's Club, a 55 inch 4K television, and it's a Vizio, three hundred forty nine dollars. Oh wow. That 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 has me intrigued. That is unbelievable. <laughs> Can we pause the show here? I, you, well, you're gonna have to if you're gonna make it today, you're gonna have to run at this point to the nearest yeah. Sam's Club. So Yeah, the doorbusters are gone. You're in the Kansas City area, so I gotta think that's probably uh picked clean and there's probably if it's Sam's Club, there's probably a couple of Van Heusen polos left. <laughs> so that's about, that's about what they've got. Um but yeah. Black Friday, very weird. Again, I guess I'm going to the very weird for everything today. Um, I think it's something that everyone has to do like once or twice, but then once you get that out of your system, you're quite content not to go out again. Yes. Or go out after the, after the initial rush has gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I last couple of years, I think I've gone up to like Target late late afternoon on Friday and just seeing if I can get some of the DVDs on the cheap that are still there, but um, some of their three or $4 specials, but yep. and the only thing that would get me out right now is if there was something that I could get for the kids, but mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're pretty low maintenance right now. So I'm going to stick at home. There you go. That's Black, a good call. Black Friday is one of those days that I feel like people from other countries, if you live in any, if you're listening to this podcast and you live in a country other than the U.S., you just like, it's just a spectacle, right? Like they just gawk at us and just go, what in the world? Would there be an equivalent? America at its worst. Yeah, exactly. Yo, capitalism is what I say. Yo, capitalism. <laughs> um, so today on the podcast, we have Jerry McMullen from the worst comic podcast ever. Um, Jerry, uh, you have a great podcast. We, well, thank you. Yeah, it's great. And we um, first met you, and we talked about this on Tuesday, at the Lebanon Megacon. <laughs> and we have since then had a really good uh, just kind of friendship uh, between uh, podcast stuff and between then uh, hanging out at, at the Planet Comic Con in Kansas City, and uh, we just think a lot of you, and we're glad you were able to come on the podcast today. Well, first, thank you very much for the invite. I know we've been trying this for a while. Uh, second, you guys are are nailing it with your show. I mean, you're putting out two shows a week. You're reviewing current movies, older movies. Uh, you you guys you guys are making us look bad. I mean, we're just <laughs> doing one show a week, and we're talking comics we're uh we just we relish in the idea of of uh really stupid movies um (laughs) you brought a movie today though that after watching and i've done this a few times on this podcast Mm -hmm. where 
you watch it and you go, it, yes, it is a bad, it's a horrible movie, um, but it, it, it doesn't strike you like I, like I thought it would. And I saw this when yeah. I was very little, the first time I saw this movie. Um, mm-hmm. The movie is Taking Care of Business. You, Jerry, you said you saw this in the theater. I did. I want you to tell folks about this, this experience. Okay. Well, uh, as your loyal listeners may know, you guys have some ties to uh, Bolivar with Southwest Baptist, mm-hmm. and that's that's where I went to school. And yes. so, me too. Um, I had a core group of friends that we all kind of hung out and did did our normal geeky stuff together uh, on the weekends. And at that time, Bolivar, I think Bolivar still had the old theater down off the town square that showed like four-month-old movies, maybe, you know. Uh Uh, So if there was anything new that you really wanted to see, you had to drive down to Springfield to see it. Uh, So we would normally go down on Tuesday nights, which was like the cheap cheap ticket night. And uh, so we would all pile into one car, drive down. And uh, we wanted to see Taking Care of Business because one of the guys in our group, Jim Moore, was a huge Chicago Cubs baseball fan. <laughs> he lived and died by the Cubs. And this movie, part of the core, part of the movie is that the Cubs are in the World Series. And Yeah, our irony there, huh? Yeah, and part of the reason why I picked it was the, the timeliness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, you know, his one of his favorite players on the Cubs, Mark Grace, is in this movie. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, Jim had really been wanting to see this movie, so we all made the commitment to go down and see it. And it's just, like you said, it's not the worst movie, but it's not the greatest movie. You, you kind of <laughs> walk out and it's like, all right, well, I'm not going to get that time back, but I'm not really... I don't count it as a complete loss of time. I mean, I well, was kind of you're, and you're I hanging out with your friends, this, and you're so. hanging out with your friends while you're doing it. So, yeah. Um, what theater did you see at in Springfield? Do you remember? Um, where where was it at? More, or, or maybe it it more than likely it was that one up there on the uh, northwest side of town as you come into Springfield from Highway 13. Uh, there. Just uh, to the south of the Walmart, there. That, I bet it's gone now. Yeah, it's that that one's. I bet that theater's gone now because, yeah, there's not a theater up yeah, there now. There, no. I think there was a theater there, but not anymore. Because I think that, um, I think that, uh, what what church was that 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 sat on the on the highway? We talked to their pastor one time. Um, th- I think that was the first. <laughs> I think that was the first place they had their church that was in that theater. Wow. He was talking about how run down it was. Yeah, yeah. And they had yeah. literally they they had a bad mold problem and they would every Sunday every Sunday or Saturday night they would bleach it with like they would spray bleach on the uh on the fungus in the uh Was that where where North Point? North Point. That's started, yeah, the name yeah, so of the North, church, yeah. It's a yeah. huge church now in Springfield. They have their own building now, but when they yeah. first started they started out in that I movie. I think it theater. was in that movie theater, yeah. 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 Okay. Anyway, so there it is. Um, taking care of business too. The other, and I will get into the details in a second, but like the other thing that I looked at and I blew my mind, uh, who wrote this movie? Who was one of the co-writers on this movie? Yes. His first writing assignment. J.J. Abrams. Abrams. What? Yes. 
Unbelievable. Before, <laughs> before he went to JJ Abrams, he was Jeffrey Abrams. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like and it was I think it was a it was from something he had written when he was in college. And mm-hmm. is what I read, and they turned it into a turned it into this. Unbelievable. But anyway, um Jerry, are you ready to start? Because our first segment is called Yeah. It's called not 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 thirty seconds synopsis yet. Everyone sweats. <laughs> Everyone starts to sweat thirty seconds synopsis. It's not so yeah. bad, man. If you listen to Tuesday, folks, you heard Jerry just freaking nail the <laughs> Doctor Strange review. Like, actually, you may be exonerated from this, but I can't make Phil do it because he didn't watch this movie yeah, yet. yet. So um, he's basing all of his opinions <laughs> on our synopsis of this. So, but first, it's time for some deets. Here are the details of the movie: um, Taking Care of Business, directed by Arthur Hiller. Arthur Hiller, a very well-respected director in Hollywood, um, has done a few things. Uh, going back all the way into the 50s. Um, and then nothing nothing too crazy, but this was one that he had done. Um, if I could jump in, he absolutely. actually did quite a lot of really good movies. Uh, Love Story and uh, Silver Streak, The Babe, In-Laws, Out-of-Towners. I mean... Mm-hmm. He, won a, he, uh, won, he was nominated for Best Director for Love Story. Mm-hmm. So he's got a career there. W.C. Fields and me, he has, did as well. Um, did not do Mac and Me, but that's a whole other story. Um, um, <laughs> Jeffrey Taylor produced it, written by, like we said, Jill Mazursky and J.J. Abrams. Unbelievable. Like, mm. from this to, well, among other things, Star Wars, but before that, many other uh, cutting-edge things. We talked about Mission Impossible. No, yeah, we talked about Mission Impossible a few weeks ago on here. And I think he, I always say that J.J. Abrams kind of fixed Mission Impossible once he took over. Um, starring James Belushi, the uh, affable Charles Grodin, and DeSalvo, Mako is a Japanese actor that plays, what's he play? He plays Sakamoto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big Sack. <laughs> he calls him Big Sack in the movie, doesn't he? Yeah. And uh, Veronica Hamill. And um, uh, yeah, Veronica. Well, there's there's a pair of uh, stars from Star Trek: The Next Generation in oh there. Oh my gosh! And you have the great, and I'm talking great. Uh, Q is in this. John John Delancey and Gates McFadden. Which Gates McFadden's role? <laughs> I felt bad that she had to play that role in it. Yeah. Because uh, that's so different than what she as as uh, Beverly Crusher. She's completely different. Mm-hmm. Do you watch uh, Star Trek? Stuff. Are you into Star Trek? Um, I did it when it first came out. I have since gone back and started rewatching it. Okay. So like Next Generation. Next Generation. I, I when it when Next Generation came out, I was very loyal to Captain Kirk and the original series, oh. and I wanted nothing to do with Next Generation. But did it eventually wear you down, and you just go, "This is pretty good," or are you kind of like, "No, it's still horrible." Um, you can be on. Please always be honest, Jerry, <laughs> with me. The the first two seasons are really bad. They are it's, bad. It's Gene Roddenberry it, trying to uh, fix the world's problems. Yeah, I once. It's sad to say, but once Roddenberry is no longer involved with the show, it actually starts to get much better. I, I really, um, I've said this before on this podcast, and I, I think Next Generation 
somewhere between here are my I would say between these three shows are my three favorite shows of all time and not current because I could talk about Westworld but then we don't talk about Westworld um, <laughs> but Seinfeld The Office The American Office and um, Next Generation I really like and now you you hit it right on the head season one and two of Next Generation are to the point where you go I can't hardly watch those yeah they're bad like by all stretch of the imagination, they are bad. It's like bad sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Soundstage, everything is obviously on a soundstage, <laughs> and you're just like cheap budget. Weird, really bad. Worf looks completely different. Somehow, he his complete anatomy changes apparently <laughs> from season one to season four. <laughs> the Ferengi look like yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I, Wait, we're talking about taking care of business. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, those two are in it, and it's pretty stinking awesome. Um, the let's see, release date August seventeenth, nineteen ninety. Did you watch this on opening day? Um, no, it would have probably been early September when we went down to see it. Okay, so it had been out for a little bit. Yeah. Um. So what did you know? Rotten Tomatoes didn't apparently sway you then, you know, because the internet was booming in 1990. So <laughs> it didn't apparently sway you from seeing this, right? Yeah. Because that was a thing then, right? It, you would, it was a whole different world back then. I mean, you really had to like rely on word of mouth from friends or picking up like People Magazine or some other magazine yeah. from the store to kind of get any word of mouth information about a movie other than what you saw on the TV trailers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nowadays it's like a movie is doomed before it comes out sometimes. It's crazy. Yeah. I, like that, and I, I, I'd use the um, newest, the new Ghostbusters movie as a great <laughs> example. Yeah. And, and I've not seen it. I've honestly heard that it's actually not the worst ever, but that thing was doomed at the yeah. launch because people were automatically just online just ripping it to shreds and it's like you haven't even seen this movie yeah anyway sad I enjoyed it good good because honestly in the second watching I kind of um budget for this movie 14 million dollars box office for this movie 20 million dollars um Kind of makes you wonder where that fourteen million went. <laughs> <laughs> Renting that house <laughs> or the cars? Yeah, the cars. Be- beating up that tempo, that Ford tempo that he rented <laughs> um, was a very was very important. And I, maybe have, maybe filming because they said they filmed the baseball scenes at uh, you know Angel Stadium in Anaheim, and um, obviously not during the actual World Series because, as we know. This is the first year they've been in the World Series since they were, they were in the World Series in '48, didn't win it, and then '45, '45, yeah, that is, that is true. That is true. Okay, yeah. Um, so, well, on that matter, the Angels have only been in it once. I think what 2002 or so. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why they picked them too, because they felt bad for them. <laughs> it's like having the Indians in the World Series. Um, so now what you've been waiting for, Jerry? Yeah. All day long, you've been nervously waiting to um, show us the way through what I like to call <laughs> the greatest 30 seconds uh, in showbiz, 30-second synopsis. Um, 
Jerry, <laughs> if you cannot, now hear me out now. Yeah. If you cannot complete this in 30 seconds and do it, you know, very thoroughly. Um, mm-hmm. Phil uh, gets to come select any five comic books from your collection that he wants. Yes. I like that. Okay. Oh, 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 wow. Okay. Well, I won't, hold, I won't hold you to that. So, okay. So, I got my Timex ready to go. Are you ready? Sure. 30 seconds in offices, taking care of business, and taking care of business. Go. Uh, Jimmy is a lifelong Chicago Cubs fan whose team is in the World Series, but he is locked up in prison. He connives a way to break out. Uh, goes to pick up a pair of tickets that he won off a radio contest. While he's at the airport getting the tickets, he finds a day planner that was left by Spencer Barnes, a, a marketing sales guy that is traveling to California to meet with a client. Ten seconds. Uh, Jimmy takes over Spencer Barnes' life with this day planner because everything is in this day planner. Meanwhile, Spencer is completely lost, having to rely on the help of an old high school friend who obviously has the hots for him and he doesn't have the hots for her and of course in typical fashion they two end up meeting and realizing that they're both being spencer barnes and all the women in their lives realize that he's spencer barnes they get to the world series cubs win jimmy catches the home run ball and then has to break back into prison in order to get released on monday boom 56 seconds all right i tried you did a great job I know just what five comics I want, Jerry. <laughs> oh, that was a good synopsis. Though. That was a good synopsis. He wants uh, Masters of the Universe uh, issue number one, which is probably okay. not real. That's probably not really. Com- uh, Have they ever made a Masters of the Universe comic? A couple of times. Really? How yes. long did it last? Um, not very long. Um, they, they did a mini series in like 1983 when the toys first started coming out mm-hmm. uh, that ran three issues. And then uh, it's been picked up a couple of different times by different companies. There's actually um, a comic coming out right now from IDW. It's um, He-Man and I believe Thundercats in a six issue mini series. Oh, whoa. Wow. Really? Yeah, and it's uh, being done, uh, artwork is being done by Kansas City artist Freddie Williams II. That's cool. He-Man. <laughs> I liked He-Man. I watched the crud out of He-Man. You were probably, that was probably after after your run of cartoons, correct? Like the initial, would yeah, you say? Yeah. I was starting to get away from the cartoons at that point. Probably so. That was right. Yeah. That He-Man was right in my wheelhouse. I had a lot of He-Man figures. Did you have now? Do you do you have? I know we're sidetracked here, but do yeah. you have a collection of uh, like? Do you do figures or anything like that? Um, I used to, but not as much anymore. Okay. Uh, every now and then, the I'll see one in the stores that it's like, oh man, yeah, they never. That when I was a kid, habit, <laughs> right? Uh, but then you got a, the embarrassment of having to tell your wife that <laughs> can you I buy this toy yourself and not for the kids. <laughs> Love it. Don't open this, kids. So <laughs> I say that. <laughs> while we're while we're kind of off topic here, and then we'll get to the we'll movie. Be off topic. I, I gotta yeah. ask. I gotta ask Jerry. So you've been collecting comics since the seventies, eighties. Is that right? Uh, late 1970s, yeah. Late 1970s. So you yep. you own, I mean, it's easy to say you own thousands of comics. 
Uh, add another zero on Tens there. Tens of thousands? Wow. I, I'm almost 11,000. 11,000 comics. Yeah. So, and, and and some of them obviously are, qu- are quite, are, I mean, they're, they're older comics that are worth money. Some of them are maybe aren't worth a whole lot more than what you paid for them, but some of them are probably worth a hundred times or a couple hundred times over what you paid for them. What, what's one of the comic, when you think of this particular book, you, you think of it as, as one that would, you would never sell it, but it's, it's one that would sell for a lot of money. Like what, what do you think of? Um, I've got a couple of key issues that I paid cover price for off the spinner rack. Uh, Batman Adventures number 12, uh, which is the first appearance of Harley Quinn in a comic book. Oh, wow. Is she a, uh, hen- a henchwoman in that one? Yeah. Uh, that routinely goes for three to $500, and wow. I think I bought that for $1.25. And then yes. um, Amazing Spider-Man number 300, which is like the first full appearance of Venom. Wow. Uh, I think that was a dollar dollar fifty comic and that's a two to three hundred dollar book wow so that's awesome that's that's cool yeah. I, I think that's one of the neat things about comic book collecting and i don't know if those days are past are are you know behind us if that will ever happen that kind of stuff will ever happen in the future or not but in a, digi- it, in a digital it's age it's kind harder of for it to happen yes yeah. um there's not scarcity like there was well there is a scarcity, but it's also the speculator market is so heavy anymore that um, it's hard to find those hidden gems. But they don't they they tend to not pop up for a year or two after they've come out, and then you realize, oh, I should have bought that two years ago. Yeah. So um, I think the last one that really hit big like that. Uh, was probably the Walking Dead comic when that mm-hmm. started up. Mm-hmm. Um, just the first four or five issues are extremely hard to find because it had such low print runs and no one realized that it was going to become the hit that it would. Yeah. I'll be honest with you guys. Um, I don't. I don't know how to segue from comic books back. <laughs> and it's okay. <laughs> this isn't me being critical at all, but like it's one of those. How do you segue from comics to Jim well, Belushi in a movie? Well, let me throw this one out. Okay, for you. please, please do. <laughs> What's the tie-in? JJ Abrams. I, 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 I am a nerd. Okay, through through, and for many years, I kept a running list of my collection in my day planner. Oh. Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Philo Facts. <laughs> and that's, that's for people that are watching the movie now that have never gone down the cult of the day planner path. I mean, in the, in the late 80s, early 1990s, that was like a huge thing. I mean, I remember my business classes, my instructors saying, oh, you've got to keep yourself organized with these things. you got to. You got to get this, 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 and you got to maintain it and keep keep detailed notes and all this stuff. And I mean, they were advocating living your lives by this day planner. And that's what you see with Charles Grodin in the movie, that the guy is completely lost when he doesn't have his day planner. What's like our, <laughs> hey, but the tie in there is the is currently cell phones. 
Yes. And I, I, I think, you know, the cell phones quickly killed away the day planner industry. I mean, you still see them for sale and they're Smartphone still. Smartphone killed the day planner. <laughs> that doesn't have quite the same ring as video killed the radio star. Ring. Ring? Yeah. Doesn't have quite the same ring. <laughs> the day planner no, no does not have a ring <laughs> like the smartphone. <laughs> day planner. Wait, that's wrong. Never mind. Um, I also had a day planner. My freshman year of college, I really thoroughly kept things in a day planner. And then I, after about week number two, I got away from that. And then hence my freshman year, I had a two point, uh, let's see, I finished with a 2.3 GPA. <laughs> High five. That was at Central Missouri State in Warrensburg. Yeah. So go did, mules. Yeah, go mules. <laughs> did two years of that. Got out of there with a two, about a two four, which really, really upped it that sophomore year. Got way better, and then had, <laughs> and then ended up going to SBU. And then, I, but I finished at SBU with a, like my my final GPA was about a three three. So I kind of killed it really from there. I got I got serious. <laughs> I got serious, not summa cum laude serious, but more serious. It took me like three more years to pull that off to get to that point. But um, again, now see, now again, I went digre- I digressed away from Philofax. Philofax. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now on to the plot of our movie. Um, we are blessed with Jim Belushi and his acting wonder. Um, what do you think about Jim Belushi, Jerry? He is the serviceable Belushi brother. When you when you couldn't get John Belushi, you went with Jim Belushi, and he, you knew he would probably be sober yeah. and able to pull this off. And I, this movie, it's funny because it seems like so many are obvious remakes of other movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this movie was clearly. Let's do trading places all oh. over again. Yes. <laughs> My gosh. Just without Eddie Murphy. Yes. Oh. So, um, a couple white guys. <laughs> like Mr. Destiny that he did a couple years later. That is, that's like it's a wonderful life all over again. <laughs> so avid Cubs fan Jimmy Dworsky, which yeah. Jim Belushi is such a bad actor maybe that he has to have a, a role that is named Jimmy. <laughs> Most like, of his roles, he, he his character is named Jim. Mm, that's worrisome. Um, huge Chicago Cubs fan, which is a, uh, a sadomasochist and a Cubs fan have something in common. They both love <laughs> punishment. Um, so he's in prison for 37 <laughs> counts of felony car theft, correct? Yes. Um, he loves cars. He tells the warden at the beginning of the movie, oh, I love cars. Don't you love stuff? I love cars. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, the prison warden is a storied actor, Hector Alizondo, who's in a billion things. He's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, he's in Necessary Roughness. He's in some other movies. I'm trying to think of other things that he's in. Uh, wasn't he in Pretty Woman? He was in Pretty Woman, along with uh, Jason Alexander. And, mm-hmm. um, gosh, Pretty Woman. I don't like Pretty Woman. I, I, we could do that on this podcast next, but we're gonna, we have another movie to do. Sorry. Sorry, Jerry. We don't have to do Pretty Woman. 
<laughs> Would it be weird if you and I did Pretty Woman on this podcast? <laughs> All right, so, um, so he's in jail. He has one day to get out or two days to get out? Uh, he's due to get out on Monday, but he's won tickets for the World Series game on Sunday. We see him early on in the movie. We see him in his cell, and he's got that calendar up hanging up in his cell and he's got the world series dates all written on the calendar. And he runs one thing about this movie early on, which I thought was kind of funny. He, he, he want, he wins the tickets on a, of course a radio competition, like in true say by the bell style from a radio competition. <laughs> and he runs to the phone. He's in prison and he reaches in his pocket and pulls out a bunch of change. Do you use change like that in prison that much? <laughs> It's a payphone, but I, I don't know. I've never been in prison, Jerry. I, I while I haven't been to prison, okay. one of my one of my first jobs many years ago was uh, working as a long distance operator for Sprint Beautiful. here in Kansas City. I love it. And we we would we would get all of these collect phone calls from prisons. So I don't think that they really carry a lot of change in their pockets in prisons. Seems to me like that could be a potential weapon. But I, I would I would think, but maybe everyone trusts Jim Belushi to carry this change around. So he wins the competition um, the, or the radio uh, the the radio uh, sweepstakes contest. Sorry, I can think contest um, by answering a couple Cubs questions. Um, the game is in Anaheim. It's in L.A. So he's got to find a way to get out of prison and get to L.A. First things first, though, he does he go in to ask the warden? How do we get? He to- does go in to see if he can get a early release or get like a weekend pass, and he'll come back and make up the time next week. Yes, the warden says, "If I sink this putt, uh, you." Can have your release, is that correct? Yes. Completely misses it. Leaves it way short. He kind of freaks out. This is on this one, this part is on Jim Belushi. He starts to freak out a little bit. What does he call? What's he call him? I think he calls him bad word. It's a family friendly podcast, so I don't want to cuss. A butthead, maybe? I don't think he calls him anything worse than that, though. Even though this is a rated R movie, and there are a couple yeah. of choice words in this movie, yeah. Um, so he freaks out on the warden. The warden says, "You cannot even watch the World Series now." Takes away from the entire prison. Yes, after he keeps freaking out, he takes away from the entire prison, and which that's that's bad. I thought the rest of the prisoners would attack him. They love Jim. They love him. Yeah, he's, he's one of them. He is one of them. He's made their their um, what's the name of this company? The uh, Tasty Foods or whatever the name of the company that he is uh, trying to make an ad for. Um, what is it called? What's the name? <laughs> he he makes their oatmeal every day. And it's horrible. He says so. Yeah. <laughs> um, high quality or high quality or great foods or something like that. It's mm-hmm. not. So he is in trouble. The they're playing a game of baseball in the prison yard, and we've all grown up wishing we could play baseball in a prison yard, uh, prison Mike. And um, so 
they're playing and they're angry at the warden because he's taking away their television. So then what happens? Uh, they've come up with the plot to kidnap. What is it? Kidnap? No, hold them for ransom. Correct. Yes. They've got them locked up in the, in the, in the tower or whatever. And they're, they're threatening to kill Jimmy if they don't get TV rights back. And they start, running off a whole list of demands like better food and oatmeal cookies on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And <laughs> the important is true. You laugh, Phil, but that's true. <laughs> that really happened. Um, is, is this in a Chicago prison? Like, is it? Uh, no. California. He's in California. Okay. He's just a Cubs yeah. fan in, in California. So yes. that makes the trip a little easier, a little the breakout a little easier to happen. By the way, if you if you are playing a, if you're in prison and you're playing a baseball game in the prison yard with with all men on the bases and you hit a home run, is it called a grand slammer? <laughs> but um wow. Actually, this we you you actually just said something. Is there a way for us to market this podcast to prisons? Is the question. <laughs> like I'm, I'm serious when I say that. That may be ideal. <laughs> we might have to do a few live shows. For that I, matter, in, you in can prison. just do a whole series of prison movie podcasts. That's true, <laughs> and they'd be so yeah, into it. Taking care of business, <laughs> jail, jailhouse rock, dead and walking, jailhouse rock. I mean, there's there's quite a bit of potential there. <laughs> did you say Shawshank? I did. Green Mile, we could do that one. Yeah. This may work. We're missing a whole market that's completely untapped. What's the Steve McQueen where they break out of prison? Uh, I just watched it. Um, uh, the Great Escape. Great Escape. <sighs> Maybe it. I don't know. If, can we monetize really from a prison, or is it just more to get more listenership? Have you thought about this, Jerry? I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm you, thinking about it now. Do you think this way? I think this way. You guys like, got I some good about, prisons up there in Kansas City. I think about finding a way to advertise it. Truck stops. <laughs> these people, that's app listeners. I'm trying to get on AM radio because I just really think my voice sounds great with a little bit of a... <laughs> every time you go past the power line, just a little bit of a... Anyway, so um, back to this movie. So they, they come up with a great scheme to get him out of jail and... He is able to sneak out. They they have a fake riot, correct? They fake yes. steal. Uh, they fake kidnap him and take him and lock him up in the dungeon ish, wherever it's at. <laughs> and he hops on and steals a prison bus. Is that correct? He escapes by riding on the underside of the bus as it's leaving. Timing. They're having a riot. As the, they never check on the underside of a bus. No as way. It's leaving. <laughs> he gets out of dodge. Um, makes his way. The next time you see him is in the airport, correct? Well, you see him. Uh, he is like robbed one of those closed donation boxes, like outside a church or something, mm -hmm. so he can get out of his prison uniforms. Yes. And then uh, he's trying to find a way to get to the airport. And. I think that's when it kind of cuts over and starts telling the Charles Grodin side of the story. Charles Grodin is businessman extraordinaire, and um, he is Spencer Barnes. Spencer Barnes had everything he wished for, but <laughs> not his Philofax. <laughs> so Spencer Barnes lives out of that day planner. Has to have it, because it's before the cell phone, and he's got to have it. 
Um, he works for an ad agency, and he is scheduled. Well, actually, he's scheduled to go on vacation with his wife. Then, sorry. And then um, that gets sidetracked because his boss has a heart attack, and um, goes to uh, says, "You gotta, you gotta go on this business trip for me to meet Mister uh, Sakamoto from, um, uh, or his friends call him Big Sack." Sakamoto, it's in the movie, folks. I'm not saying anything bad. Um, and uh, to he's going to pitch these marketing ideas for his Japanese uh, food company. Uh, great cooking or excellent, high quality. It's high quality food. I don't know what it's called. I think you hit it right on yeah. the head, Jerry. Uh, and so he ditches his wife. She's upset with him. She's mad, uh, which with good reason. And he heads to the airport. He's got a full schedule. Okay, he's got the address for this beautiful luxury Malibu beach house. Uh, inside of his uh, Filofax, there's a key to the beach house. There's the entry codes to the beach house. This is going to actually be. I thought this would be a great trip. I thought this seems like it'd be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the hilarity ensues when he gets off the plane. He's on the phone at the payphone. Kids, payphones. We had to. We used to have to pay to use phones. Uh, we couldn't just. Well, we had still have to pay for them. We just get to carry them around now, uh, absorbing their radio waves. Um, that's my cons- for my conspiracy show. Um, but they. Um, he's on the phone calling his main o- the main office, and he his driver starts to walk off. So he leaves the Filofax. Uh, and then segue to uh, Jimmy Dworsky stumbling upon uh, the gold nugget, if you will, uh, that brings him to greatness. Well, he grabs it because uh, inside the final fact, Spencer has promised a thousand dollar reward to anyone that finds it. Is that a final fact thing or is that a... Um, is that if if you pay all the money for the Filofax, did you get that sort of a reward? Is a question. What do you think? No, I think I think that's something that Spencer has put into his book. He's a uh, he is a pretty wealthy dude to be able to start giving that away, right? Of course, he has. Um, hey, Filofax, by the way, folks, our sponsor today is called is Filofax. Um, <laughs> Filofax was founded in 1921. Um, its headquarters is in uh, Burgess Hill. West Sussex in in the UK, and uh, Filofax is uh, is now owned by HSGP Investments. That was in 2012. Um, it's a great thing, and uh, it's uh, a real sentiment for yuppie culture in the 80s. So, gotta love Filofax. Did I read that the title of this movie it was actually called Filofax? Yeah, in the UK it was released as. File effects. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that they paid? Like, I mean, that's huge advertising for them, right? I mean, back then it would have been. You'd think I, you'd corner the market if that were the case. I, w- right? I wonder if they had a, they struck a deal with them or something to call it that. Um, so the file effects is. 10, I mean, it'd be like me writing a movie and calling it an iPhone or something like that. But I think. Don't, I mean, what's the equivalent? I mean, we have some equivalents of that, right? Today's culture. Yeah, I, I used to have a Palm Pilot. I mean, if I if I if I made a movie, I mean, not today, but in like 1998, <laughs> and called it today called Palm Pilot, <laughs> and called it Palm Pilot. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's essentially what happened. With I could movie. see a movie called Flip Phone. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> um, but you kind of had that in books. Book, I mean, book titles become movies. Yeah. Obviously, if that book, if that movie's successful, the book then just goes even further through the roof. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so Spencer then is left. How does he get out of his? The driver drops him off where? The he gets out. He gets out and goes back. He's in with the driver. Spencer Barnes, Groden's character, uh, realizes he's forgotten Philofax, which is his helper robot. So I just sound yeah. like I was describing um, Philofax, <laughs> and he goes back to get Philofax, his trusty robot, and he um, realizes it's gone. Goes to the rent a car place. Yes, and is hoping for the kindness of strangers. I guess. Oh, the heavy. He has. A, go ahead. They're able to look up like his rewards account and verify that. Oh yes, he is a a trusted member, and even though he has no ID, no credit cards <laughs> on him, we're going to still give you a rental car. Oh, we're we've rented everything. The only thing we can give you is this beat up car that's due to be going in for body work. Yeah, it's got major body damage. It's a <laughs> it's a 1989 Ford Tempo. <laughs> it's nice, real nice, and it sputters and spits around. They would never rent that to anyone, but for the pace of the movie, they had to, right? Yeah. So um, he drives off in this tempo, um, spitting and sputtering. He has no cash, no ID, nothing. Doesn't even have the address to the place he's going to. But he's got a map. <laughs> and you would think that Spencer is a fairly, a fairly educated man to get this far in life, but apparently he can't read a map because he ends up like in the worst part of town. Oh yeah, like <laughs> National Lampoon, uh, you know, steal your hubcaps scenario. <laughs> and um, we did leave out. We said this. You said this in thirty seconds synopsis, but he meets his. Uh, it's a. I, I hate to say it's obviously not a high school girlfriend. I don't even say it's a high school friend, correct? He, he I says think she had. She said that she had a crush on him. Yes, but he has a hard time even remembering her from high school. Other than she cheated off of him, she he does say that at yeah. one point in the movie that he that she cheated off of him. So she becomes the recurring person to bail him out of some situations, and literally later in the movie does bail him out. I think. Couple of times, yeah, and but she was she's looking for some sort of a uh, uh, love interest scenario, and he's just not that into you. Um, he's just not that into you. Uh, what's her name? Is that Veronica Hamill? Or is that the wife? Or is it no? It's Andy Salvo is who plays that character. Um, yeah. So, segue back to Jimmy Jimmy Dworsky, Belushi's character. Uh, he ends up at the Malibu Beach House. Um, he just runs and jumps. He does a lot of frolicking. Have you noticed this about Jimmy Dworsky's character? <laughs> He's been locked up in prison for three years. And I thought about that as well. I, I thought mean, about that as well. Is, you know, the first time that he's seen a, a woman in a while. Is <laughs> you know it. The first time when he's gotten to go swimming. Yes. So. He's a free man. Yeah. At least until he has to go back to jail. Then um, he goes to the beach house. He can't really get in because he hasn't looked inside the file effects. But 
he goes and jumps in the jumps in the water, hangs out at the beach, has a great time in his boxers, no less, which is hilarious. <laughs> and then he realizes once he starts looking at the Philofax um, day planners by Philofax um, that he has the key, has the code. He's in the money. He opens it up, and it is a huge house. I mean, it's almost as big as producer Phil's house. It's almost as big as producer Phil's mansion. So <laughs> he's shaking his head now. Um, so it's eleven hundred square feet. <laughs> it is. Um, I would say it's closer to um, eleven thousand square feet. <laughs> More. It looks like a Walmart super center. Is what it looks like to me. <laughs> it's a huge house. Everything's gold too, by the way. Yeah, gold and delicious. Um, well, it's like the kind of place that that Donald Trump. Oh would live yeah. That's his Without vaca- getting too political. That's his vacation. Ho- that's his vacation yeah. home. His new house <laughs> come January is going to be bigger, probably. Big, huge, <laughs> huge, so huge, so huge. <laughs> It's bigly. Mm, it's bigly. <laughs> that was one of the vocab words. That is the, uh, and again, we're not really going political. We're just commenting on words people say. <laughs> That's like some of um, George George W. Bush got a lot of flack for some of the things he would say. Um, strategery. Strategery was my favorite. I still say tr- strategery. <laughs> Nucle- nuclear. Nuclear. He instead of nuclear, he would say nuclear. Um, but yeah, Trump bigly. We will we will succeed bigly. Did you really say that? Yes, I love it. But again, we could go the opposite direction too and talk about Hillary's screeches. So, I mean, it's like <laughs> pick your poison. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Pick your poison. This, this year was one of those where you just shake your head and go, oh, Mark Grace, why didn't you run for president? Um, anyway, so uh, big house, Trump's house he lives in on the Malibu Beach. Uh, fake Spencer is just excited. He's got this unorthodox style. Everybody loves him. He um, gets picked up by Q and uh, just John Delancey, correct? And yeah. what's the other guy's name that picks him up? He's in a bunch of commercials. That guy is, is it Stephen Elliott. Walt? No, that's Walter Bentley. Uh, Delancey, Diane. I don't know if he's giving credit Tom here. Tom Sharp is the actor. What's his name? Tom Sharp. Yeah, and he's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And they pick him up in a helicopter and take him to the big tennis match <laughs> and this sets the tone for for fake uh spencer's new life seriously this yeah. one date with destiny where he takes big sack sakamoto <laughs> and beats him in his own game at tennis yeah which spencer was told by his boss make sure you lose to him let him win uh-huh <laughs> Not this Spencer. Fake Spencer does. Yeah. Fake Spencer's kind of a George Costanza because he does the opposite. He does opposite. And in this, he does opposite of what regular Spencer would do. And he wins the respect of Sakamoto to the point where Sakamoto. And at first, you think Sakamoto's mad because that's what 80s movies do in these situations is they make you look like, oh, he's mad. And then the redeeming character, the redemption of the character is that he, he actually has won his respect because no one would ever stand up to him. It's a good lesson here. Stand up to your bosses, what I say. Um, Sakamoto, he's serious. So um, then, then um, we go back to other uh, down and out Spencer, the popper, if you will, Prince and the popper here, and he 
is literal when, when, as when he got his car jacked, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. He gets dumped into a dumpster, and it's a squ- they make you hear the did you hear the squish sound, Jerry? That it yeah. made. The Foley artists were like, we've got a great sound here. It's a splat. It's a pudding. It's a big vat of pudding, and we throw a bowling ball in it. And it sounds like this. And literally, when they threw Spencer in the trash can or in the dumpster, it made that sound. And he came out, and he looked like a homeless guy, like a bum. Like he had been living in the dumpster for weeks. Sad. He was all he had, like like ash, ashen face, and he looked yeah. the part. And so then he couldn't convince anyone that he actually was this, you know, illustrious ad, you know, madman uh, Spencer Barnes. So he is kind of a uh, 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 what's uh, uh, Don Draper? He is a kind of a Don Draper type <laughs> character. This not really. Um, so he. Um, he steals some clothes. He eventually makes it to the tennis place. He finds out where the tennis place was at, mm-hmm. and uh, steals some clothes from the club, from the club, uh, the pro shop at the uh, tennis place. And uh, this nasty looking sweater, nasty looking sweater. Malibu. Malibu. Did it say Malibu on it? I think so. And he wears it <laughs> for like the movie. He does. Then it gets gets really gross. Um, he he has to get bailed out again, um, just because he's walking along the streets. And uh, his high school friend bails him out again. Uh, she thinks it's a love connection. She, he finally relents and lets her uh, take him to her house to cook her cook him dinner, which he never eats, by the way. This yeah. whole time he never ate. It's like a cartoon or something. He's never eating. Um, he's on the phone still trying to make calls to get a hold of someone. He's trying to call his wife. They've missed it. And his wife has called the Beverly Hills mansion by this point and talk to um, what's the uh, Elizabeth Barnes, who's played by Veronica Hamill, who um, for all intents and purposes, I mean, she's not an ugly person. I'll say that. How about that? Um, So then um, actually that's not Elizabeth Barnes. That's Bentley. Jewel Bentley is her name. Jewel Bentley played by Lauren Lachlan. Um, yeah, not an ugly human. And then, um, so that girl though, is the one that's falling for fake Spencer Barnes. So when the wife calls and says, is Spencer there? He says, don't again, a moment where Jim, Jim Belushi's frolicking in a pool, by the way. And, um, <laughs> he, uh, she's like, oh, he's busy. He can't come to the phone, which then the wife is irate. At what point does she come to L.A.? The end? She just shows up? The end, yeah. Well, at one point she tries calling and can't get a hold of him. He was too busy to come to the phone because mm-hmm. he was swimming or whatever. Yes. And I think she gets... I mean, her their weekend getaway plans had already been ruined, so I think she gets it in her head that she needs to go out to California, too, to check on him. Why didn't... I guess she he couldn't have brought her with her in this situation, huh? He's very businessy. You would think that given his track record, he might have had that leverage to make that call, but he doesn't. 
he doesn't make that call, and it it doesn't pay off for him because he would be he, we wouldn't have this movie if that would have happened, I guess. Um, True. So next up on Fake Spencer's New Life is the big. He goes to dinner. He goes to dinner with Sakamoto, correct? Yes. The other the underlings, John Delancey, Q, and uh, what was the other guy's name? You said. Uh, Tom. Tom Sharp. Tom Sharp. Uh, Tom Sharp. So it's they are afraid. That Spencer has now gotten them all in trouble. Yeah, and the opposite well, is actually dude, true. They're wearing their in their dark black suits, and Spencer goes out and finds this like white linen suit yes. to wear to this business dinner. <laughs> Miami Vice. <laughs> it's beautiful, and, but he does opposites opposite of what any of the rest of us would do in these situations, mm-hmm. and it pays off big time for him. He is a prisoner. He's a he's been in prison, <laughs> and he has these. He has an unbelievable ability to save the day and ruin it all in the same breath. Um, he um, has won Sakamoto's heart. By being the best, and he makes up a fake ad campaign during this whole during this scenario, where mm-hmm. someone calls him and says, "What's the new ad campaign for so and so bakery?" And oh, actually, that was at the how the beach house because what's her face, uh, Jewel Bentley bends over, and he goes, "Look at those well, buns." Uh, they were still at the at the tennis courts. yeah that, that, that the tennis courts. Yeah, and it wasn't her that bent over; it was somebody else. All right, so yeah. Um, but anyway, he says, "Look at those buns," and so then that becomes the slogan. Which honestly, if you're, if you're, I don't know, I'm trying to think. Of, if you're, you know, maybe not Iron Kids bread, maybe that would be the wrong one. But if you were some random old bakery, might be a good idea. It's not bad. Not the worst way to get your product no. noticed. No, I mean it may not work. Why is he? Why is he doing all this identity theft stuff? Like he's just trying to get to the Cubs game, right? Yeah. Phil, now listen, Phil. In your, you've not seen this movie. I, I've never seen it. But now, see, I think your outsider wisdom has seen around some of this. It's like you're the, you're the. Uh, we're trying to travel through space, and instead of just taking that long, you know, three hundred year flight, <laughs> we're just gonna punch a hole and and go through a wormhole or something here. But your logic is very sound. There is no, there's no real reason, right, Jerry, for him to be go, going through this. Once he's got the tickets, he should just <laughs> leave. I mean, <laughs> take the credit cards, maybe. But why did he continue this life? <laughs> I mean, I'm hearing you guys explaining all this. I'm just like, why? Like, what in the world is, what, what, what is he doing? <laughs> and he continues to live the life of a, an ad, ad agency person. I mean, I mean he's other actually than, trying to... Other than he, he had the end with the, with the boss's daughter <laughs> that I think he was hoping to see more of her literally and figuratively. But yeah. he didn't have so. to go to these meetings. He chose <laughs> to... Other than they kept showing up thinking that he was Spencer Barnes. And, and they whisked him away. That is one yeah. thing we're living at. They, they really did kind of whisk him away. Okay. And in those moments, he's thinking, well, I guess I'm going to go eat dinner. So in a way, so he this kinda, would get me food. He kind of gets caught up in it against his will in some ways. He is a free-swinging <laughs> cool cat, though. He doesn't – like, he. It, it's okay for him to go. He's kind of a Kramer-esque character. I know I'm getting a lot of Seinfeld okay. references. Most episodes don't only talk about Seinfeld, but I could see there are a couple. I mean, there's a Costanza and a Kramer esque scenario going here. Weird. 
Interesting. Anyway, J.J. Abrams is a genius. This is the first thing he ever wrote, by the way. I, I just looked it up. Yeah. yeah. Must be nice. Yeah. First thing I ever wrote was a sequel to Goodnight Moon. <laughs> <laughs> Goodnight Moon 2. <laughs> the Return. <laughs> anyway, okay. My son. My son when he was two loved that book. All right. <laughs> Goodnight Moon. All right. So, um, so. Uh, big big dinner. The next thing he has to do, fake Barnes, fake Spencer Barnes has to go to a ad agency meeting with uh, she devil uh, Babs McFadden. What's her name? Gates McFadden <laughs> and uh, Diane Connors is her name. And uh, real Spencer is still trying to find his way to these things. Correct. His his role in this movie is just to slowly, like the uh, little engine that could, like the yeah. tortoise. The tortoise eventually is going to get caught up. He he shows up as everyone is leaving. Yes. <laughs> Every time. The helicopter, the dinner party, or the tennis tennis match, all this stuff. Yeah. He's one step behind. He finally, the next day after the meeting with Diane Connors, who busts uh, fake uh, uh, Spencer Barnes's chops for, for being too much of a loose cannon, right? I'm going to tell your boss. Then she telephones her. Is that the next day? That's the next day. I'm skipping ahead because technology just took a huge, massive leap forward, by the way, Jerry. The the timing of this movie is so wonky across the board. Yes. Because early in the movie, when we see that calendar scene in his cell, game sits at the World Series that he's going to is on a Sunday. But as the movie goes along... At one point, the guys go into the into the office on Sunday to explain everything that's gone on, and everyone's at work on a Sunday in California. <laughs> Dude, we got we can't mess around. We, business is going to continue. We're taking care of business <laughs> all the time. These people live at this office. <laughs> we gotta have we gotta have this tasty food or high quality food ad campaign out. This is big. Sakamoto doesn't just come down come to town for anybody. Okay, I tried to cover Sakamoto's tracks there. It didn't help, though. You're right. No one will be at work on this Sunday there. This is the worst place to work ever. Yeah. Um, so, uh, again, fake Spencer um, wakes up, and finally, the next day after the bad ad uh, uh, meeting, that he finally gets called out for being horrible at this, um, finally... Charles Grodin's character, real Spencer, finally catches up. Time is finally caught up. And he walks into the house. And I will say this, this part, there are two different things in this that if J.J. Abrams created these scenes, they were kind of funny. They're very intelligent. Charles Grodin goes into pure, like, kind of almost like, you know, on Home Alone, whenever the two criminals <laughs> are stepping on nails and getting paint cans to the face, Charles Grodin goes immediate to physical comedy, and he's normally the straight man in the physical comedy, or in a comedy, but he <laughs> goes into physical, like, gr tries to choke out Jim, Bel Jim Belushi, falls on his back a couple times. It's kind of funny to me. Does it really well. It's, and then I think this is his audition for Beethoven. When did Beethoven come out? Uh, 92, I believe. So they saw him in this. 
And they said, you know, Charles Grodin, he can do this. He can do this. And so uh, they basically, though, they end up, a real Spencer steals his tickets and says, you're coming with me, you're going to explain this to everybody, right? They go to, um, they go back to the ad place. They break into a meeting with um, Diane Connors, Gates McFadden. They have a video, a video meeting. Was this real in 1990, Jerry? Was this possible? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, in in theory, maybe it was possible, but I don't know that businesses really afforded something like that. They had a television. It was an old JVC looking. We had wood grain paneling on the outside, back projection screen. Correct. Yeah. It popped up with the, his boss in the hospital because he had tubes and stuff in, in the hospital. And he was like yelling at Spencer Barnes in real time. And there wasn't a camera anywhere. There was no microphone of any kind. Yeah. Like a go to meeting now or like even like a like a little um, conversation pod type, type thing you have in the middle of your desk. Mm-hmm. They didn't have, I mean, it was just magic. It was like Batcave level stuff. Like, whoa. Whoa. And that's also assuming that the, that the boss had that same camera set up in his hospital room. <laughs> Ooh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it would, definitely would have been portable back then. Do you think they tried to figure out how? And what would he have been watching it on there in the hospital room? <laughs> what would, you know, how, how would J.J. Abrams explain this scene away? How would he explain it away? I don't think he's thought that far ahead yet. He would explain it away as alternate universe. It was the alternate timeline. Uh, they have some technologies we don't hear. It's a different. This is not our Earth. It's a different Earth. Um, and then they'd have to go back to the island. Um, so, and then they were all dead the whole time. Sorry. I digress. That's the end of Lost. Uh, Spoiler. All right. Sorry. Um, so, um, their boss yells at him, right? Sakamoto says nothing, and then um, Gates McFadden really says nothing. It's kind of a pointless meeting, correct? <laughs> they both storm out. Oh, Jim Belushi defends real Spencer than this, correct? Yeah. And they kind of bond over that, um, him defending him. And Spencer ends up quitting his job completely. He does quit. And he's immediately, immediately relieved by this, um, which I know that feeling. And some days I feel that way. Um, <laughs> he... Um, they then decide, Jim Dworsky, Jim Belushi's character, talks real Spencer into, hey, let's go to the World Series. So after all this work, Jim Belushi can finally go to the World Series. And not only am I going to take the real Spencer Barnes, I'm taking Spencer over the hot girl that I previously slept <laughs> Who with. Is the most and un- promised to take to the game with me. Who's the most understanding? This is the perfect person <laughs> of all time. Like she completely, uh, oh, you're right. You need to be with your friend. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? This is weird. Like I was like, man, she's she's pretty pretty nice person. Anyway, yeah. Jim Belushi. They go to the game. Everything's going great. He's getting hot dogs with his no money. I guess it's all it's all on Charles Grodin's credit cards anyway because he buys a a big screen TV. Because in yeah. 1990, big screen TV was the status symbol. Uh, sends it to um, 
buys it from QVC or, H- or uh, Home Shopping Network, mm-hmm. sends it to the prison, by the way. Um, and then he, uh, they're having a great game. Home run ball is hit, correct? Jim Belushi yeah. goes out onto a flagpole. Well, the foul pole. Was it the fi- foul pole? Yeah. Oh, Steve Bartman level stuff here where he, except he does it for good. Yeah. He catches it inbounds. Like, like he climbs it? He climbs out on it. Oh, okay. Stretches out to catch the ball. And okay. he does a spin rooney around it. Like like I'm singing in the rain around oh. the around the uh around the uh around the light bulb, except the and because, because he's seen on TV, suddenly every police officer in the stadium oh. is now looking for him like they know that he's escaped from prison. Right, because you know, back then in nineteen ninety we could all communicate so quickly with each other. <laughs> um it's so weird. What movies. I love them. So then basically it becomes let's get out of here, which is kind of crappy because now Jim Belushi doesn't get to watch the big game. Um, and they hide out. <laughs> they hide out in this closet thing that has this big high tension wire to the outside parking lot. And uh, Real Spencer uses his Filofax, <laughs> leather bound Filofax. They zip line down. And by the way, on that scene, they crashed through that fence. Like, it kind of looked like that was real, and it might have hurt a little bit. They zip well, you off. can you can see the the support line holding them up in the in the <laughs> shot. They they jump off the stadium basically and zip line down this big yeah. high tension wire outside. Because apparently, once the game starts, everyone is locked into the stadium. Until the game is over. <laughs> no one leaves. <laughs> no one can get out of here. So they zip line down. Beautiful. And they... Um, <laughs> and so then they um, end up in his car. Wait. Whose car? Oh, the stolen Lotus from yeah. Bentley's house. And um, they sit there and listen to the game on the, on the radio. Cubs win. Cubs win. Holy cow. <laughs> you even get a holy cow in that. They didn't get uh, Harry Carey in this. Was Harry Carey, was he still alive in 1990? Yes. Was he? So I'm surprised they didn't try to get Harry Carey on there. That would have been great. And then um, <laughs> they say, basically, that's it. Turn the radio off. Now he's got to figure out a way to go back. We have to go back <laughs> to prison. He goes back in the to most- prison? He has to. Absurd way to get back into prison. The, the warden, Phil, doesn't know that he's even gone yet. He thinks <laughs> uh, Hector believes that he is locked in the infirmary or wherever they have him locked at, and they're holding him hostage because he took the World Series away from him, and he thinks that the prisoners are blaming him for not having it, so they've taken him hostage. They're going to kill him, which couldn't be further from the truth because everybody loves Jimmy. Yeah, that's a good movie. Phil's face here. I wish every human alive. I'm speechless. I wish every human could see that face. It's like a meme right there. It's like a meme that just like, what? So um, how does he get back? Jerry, don't respond to this because I know you know the answer. Phil, yeah. Phil, let's play a little game. How does he break back into prison? Uh, 
Other you have th- you have 15 seconds to tell me how he broke back into prison. Okay, um, so just off of the information that you've given me so far, um, I have zipline as an o- option. Oh, okay. Oh, that's it. That, that I have helicopter. Okay. Like he dr- drops in from a helicopter. That one. Of so we have that option. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, or he jumps a car over the prison walls. Oh, well, they would have seen that. It's got to be incognito. Oh, okay. okay. It's got to be quiet. All right, so Jerry, now I want you to tell us the real way (laughs) that he gets back into prison. You are off a little, Phil. Okay, all right. Slightly. Okay. So Charles Grodin pulls up to the prison in the Lotus, dressed as a priest, there to help negotiate the standoff with the prisoners. Yes, because priests are feeling like this. And, And to help the negotiations, he's brought along... Jimmy's mother, who is actually Jimmy dressed as a woman. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and like, like this is a couple of years before Mrs. Doubtfire, but he looks like Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> and they let his <laughs> mother walk into this into this place in the prison where they're supposedly holding him. And what's funny is it it plays itself out. But no one asks about Jimmy's mother later on when we see Jimmy come out. <laughs> she just disappeared. Yeah, she's just in the prison hallways somewhere. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so, if, and, and ready for this one? It all works out. Oh, my gosh. It all works out. The women are all fine because um, the uh, fake Spencer's girlfriend meets up with well a uh, real spencer's wife shows up at the house at the big yes. mansion they talk through this and they put the piece together and realize these are two different people <laughs> and it's so weird because they're just everything's cool man huh. everything's cool everything's fine um and they decide to go on vacation yeah once 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 fake spencer gets out of prison we'll all go on vacation what a great what a great ending to a movie. Prisoners have a hard time assimilating into society. Jimmy <laughs> I mean Jimmy just owns did, it. Did with flair, yeah. My gosh, he's good. <laughs> and we all drive off into the sunset. Right? Yeah. That's it, right? It's a typical nineteen ninety ending. It is. I'll be honest with you, I waited for two things at the end of this movie. I waited for the bad robot robot to come across the screen. Mm. Bad <laughs> robot. And I also waited for some sort of extra deleted scene at the end because I thought maybe that would happen. So, anyway. There it is. All right. So, long story short, um, that is taking care of business. Yeah. Business, business taking care of. Taking care of. Um, yeah. Jerry, I want you to tell me a good thing. Tell me some good things about this movie. All right. Um, with my group of friends from college, uh, we love the dinner scene where first Jimmy is like telling uh, Sacco about how bad his food is. <laughs> I, about how horrendous the food out is. Of him. <laughs> Where, you know, you can't eat the bologna unless you use lots of mustard, but you can't use your own mustard. You got to use someone else's mustard. <laughs> and then he concludes the whole evening when they make the toast uh, by 
everyone else is giving inspirational toasts about business and the partnership. And oh my God. He throws out a toast about <laughs> so the good. Chicago Cubs winning the World Series. And that, that kind of became our little catchphrase in college there for a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is weird. That's not a very good toast. That would be a really bad wedding toast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what he says. He says something kind of crude. Yeah, we won't say it on the show. <laughs> I'll tell Phil off off air. Um, and yeah, uh, man, yeah, he definitely gave some backhanded comments there to Sakamoto. Sakamoto's face when he was telling that was really good. Mako is the actor there, and he's in a lot of stuff. Like that act, that that Japanese actor, and he passed away a few years ago, but he is in a lot of things as as you know as a as a Japanese guy, and. Um, Anyway, a lot of American movies. But he does a great job. He does a great job in that role. What are some bad things? Most of the movie. <laughs> what's, the I mean, just... what's the worst thing that you can think of as far as even continuity? The continuity stuff is kind of stupid. The, the timing is really bad when you know that the World Series game is going to be on a Sunday and they're going into work and all of that. Um, it just... The whole way that the prison is run, it makes you wonder why more people haven't escaped from that prison. Yeah, or or that hey, prison isn't so bad. You know, the fact that he could even go into the warden's office to try to negotiate an early release. <laughs> because that all prisoners apparently have that ability. Yeah, it's not like Orange is the New Black scenario where... <laughs> bad things are happening but so jerry you're saying this movie isn't very believable <laughs> there are some holes in the plot <laughs> um i thought the goods here's my best my favorite good was this everything jim belushi is in he forces us to listen to him sing or do something along those lines he doesn't sing in this movie right do we do we know of sarah and I'm not sure why he feels compelled. And I guess, you know, maybe the blues or whatever is he's into, because his brother performed and does this. But Jim feels obligated to sing to us, and he didn't do that in this movie. J.J. Abrams writing it, for me, yeah. is pro that's probably the best thing about this movie for me. That mm -hmm. you look at this and just go, like, um, my wife was a huge, still has a huge Felicity, the TV show Felicity. Mm -hmm. A huge, and he wrote Felicity. Yeah, and that show came out eight years later after this yeah. movie, so he did like several yeah. more things. But he, but Felicity was, and I, I always say this about Felicity, like when I talk about it, like he said that after the first season of Felicity, he was like, man, this is really boring, like because he's a he's him, you know, in his mind, <laughs> he's not writing Felicity. He would rather be writing the stuff he does now or did, you know, whatever. And he wanted, he literally pitched it. To um, Fox, I think was what Felicity was on. That can we turn Felicity into like a secret agent or like something like that? And then it was like, no, we're not going to do that. It's Felicity. Yeah. She's a girl in college. But then that basically turned into Alias. He then took yeah. that idea and then turned it into Alias, which is even better. So good job, JJ. Uh, bad <laughs> stuff. Bad stuff, though. Really, man. Some of the timing is just. Craptastic in this movie, um, for a lot of frolicking around. But again, you hit it on the head. He just got out of prison. 
Yeah. If you had been locked up for three years, oh, what you, would you do? You don't even. I'm not. I can't. <laughs> I can't talk about that, Jerry. <laughs> I can't talk about that, man. So anyway, um, let's do this. Let's rate this movie. Okay, let's rate this movie. One horrible being bad, five horribles being the worst thing you've ever seen, and gouge my eyes out. I would go two, two and a half. Okay. I I would say along those same lines. It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. We rented this. First time I saw this, we rented this from Bob's TV and Appliances in Mountain View, Missouri. <laughs> And I remember it again. I've talked about Bob's before. There were, that, there were two places to rent movies in the town that I'm from, a little town. And we rented this one, and we rented Born in the USA, which is like, I think my dad was like actually angry after he watched that movie. But <laughs> but um, this one he liked. I remember him liking this movie. And I was probably was when we were in this. It would have not. It wouldn't have been too long after I came out. I'll 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 age myself here. I was probably when it came out on video. At that point, was probably what a year after it would have been in theaters. Is that how it probably worked then? So it was probably ninety-one or so when I watched it. So I probably was like a seventh grader watching this. So that wouldn't been too bad. So I was thinking maybe I was younger, but can you still hear us, Jerry? I'm still here. Okay, I'm all right. Uh, all right. losing battery here. Okay, though. all right. Well, um, I'll tell you what we. Um, that uh, I'm gonna give that I'm gonna give that movie about a two. I'm gonna let's say it's a two. That sounds about right, Jerry. Real quick, what what have you been into lately? You want to tell people about? Could be anything. Um, could be music. Could be comic books. Could be a book. Could be a video game. Could be anything. Yes. Um, I have been uh, rewatching The West Wing. Uh, you mentioned earlier some of your favorite TV shows. Uh, West Wing is like my all-time favorite show. Cool. And there's a new podcast that's come out called West Wing Weekly, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, it's hosted by two guys. One of the guys is uh, Joshua Molina that was an actor on the show, and now he's on Scandal. Okay. Uh, and they, they each episode, they go through and review an episode of the West Wing, and they're bringing in cast members to talk on the show. And uh, so I've been following that along and re-watching the show yet again so cool that's probably what i've been doing most of lately that's awesome um so i i'm anticipating now are you planning on we talked about lebanon comic-con and and uh lebanon megacon are you planning on going to lebanon megacon this year or is that or is that tentative um as of right now we're not penciling that one in yeah um planet comic-con you'll be back at right of course yeah we will definitely be at planet comic-con you know and I'm sure you guys are experiencing this thing as well. With any of the shows, we kind of have to weigh what are we going to get out of it? Yes. Because, you know, we, we when we go to shows and set up, we're not selling anything. We're not making money. Mm-hmm. Every show that we go to is a loss for us. I right. mean, we're paying money out of our pocket. It's basically advertising. Uh, it's basically, you're looking at it from an advertising standpoint. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I mean, we can go and, you know, present our brand to a whole new group of people. Um, but our brand kind of centers primarily around comic books and 
for last year's show, there just wasn't a whole lot of comic books as much as we would have liked. It was kind of a scattershot kind of, yeah, yeah. He he was supposed to have the co-creator of Howard the Duck there. Oh, yeah, I remember this, yes. He canceled about six weeks out from the show, and I was, we'd already said we would be there and help host panels, and I didn't feel like I could back out. Right. Uh this year, he do he does have a couple comic book guests lined up, but they're all they're they're people from here in Kansas City that we've talked to multiple times in gotcha. the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Stacy was just on our show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the other guys, uh, Kevin Dillmore and um, Dayton Ward, uh, we've talked to at shows before. Um, so we're kind of waiting, seeing if anything, it might be something that drive down and hang out with my friend Brent for the weekend. And maybe we'd stop in and at the show for a little bit, but gotcha. as of right now, no. we're not planning on setting up at that show. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, but you said planning comic con. Is there, are there any others that you guys might go to? Um, well, we've got two shows in Kansas city. We got planet comic con. We got Kansas, Kansas city. city comic con. Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, so we're signed up for both of those. Uh, we're, uh, going to be going back to Omaha for the Omaha Comic Con in you July. That, you said that one's pretty good, right? Yes. Uh, we had a good time at that. And then uh, June, we know we'll be at Smallville Comic Con, which is out in Hutchinson, Kansas. That's awesome. So, is, is that a pretty good one? Um, and then uh, our partner, Colin, that lives out on the out in Portland, Oregon, he'll be going to some shows on the West Coast like uh, Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. He'll go to Wizard World Portland and Rose City Comic Con. Okay. So, and we'll we'll try to find another show or two that we can go to. Um, I think our our long term goal, since we've got Colin in Portland and John and I in Kansas City, is we find a show like somewhere in between like Denver or Salt Lake City, and we all travel. That's cool. And attend that show together. Mm-hmm. So, well, cool, man. That, those those shows are so much fun. And yeah, we uh, we just I don't know. We we enjoyed we enjoyed the ones we went to last year, and um, that's well. That, and yeah, our comment is you know we kind of view it as our tribe. I mean, you know, you spend time with your work family Monday through Friday. You spend time with your your actual family in the evenings and stuff. And going to a con, you get to hang out with the people of your tribe with the same lights and interests and, and just kind of good naturedness. So we like being with our tribe. Cool. Yeah. I've always said the comic conventions are almost a, uh, it's almost a spiritual experience really. Like, um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's the closest thing. I mean, we're, we're church folk. I mean, you know, Jack and I, and, and, uh, I think you are too, Jerry. And, um, you know, outside of the church experience, like comic comic conventions are about the closest thing. You know, it's, it's people all like-minded. They all have one thing in common. Um, and they may, may not know each other, but they're best friends sitting across the table or standing in line yeah. together. That, that's Absolutely. what I love about it. Well, Jerry, thanks for coming on, buddy. Absolutely. I really enjoyed this. Um, we will do it again. Um, you and I t- already talked about a movie and I'd like to do it. Kind of when we get closer to Comic Con stuff, and we can kind of ramp up, yeah, ramp up toward that. And we found last year kind of having some themes of of some movies to go off of to mm-hmm. ramp up the things was good. So um, I'm game if you're game. Yeah, and uh, yeah, man. Anything we can ever do, let us know. We we uh, we're big fans of yours. So 
we're glad you we were glad you're willing to come on and and uh spend a couple hours with us just uh talking about my favorite movie ever taking care of business is that Bachman turner overdrive yes taking care of business every day jim belushi's taking care of business you know something that we didn't mention the music in the movie was done by uh uh the guy from the police what stuart copeland stuart copeland it is what who was he in the police oh my gosh he's a drummer okay yeah oh my gosh I'm sorry, Stuart. I'm going to call him up later and apologize for not. <laughs> um, like he composed the soundtrack or what? He probably is the guy that put it all together. Just Dude, that's the... awesome. He's yeah. done a lot of stuff, man. Stuart Copeland. Seriously. There it is. How about Stuart. that? Stuart. I'm a drummer and he's a drummer. We're friends. <laughs> not really. All right. Well, you're the man, Jerry. Thank you so much, buddy. Thanks, Jerry. Right. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I uh, really enjoyed getting to hang out with you guys and uh, looking forward to seeing you guys on the on the con trail next we'll season. We'll be on it. Yep. We'll, we'll be see on it soon, I'm sure. So, all right. Go get some Black Friday deals. All right. Black Friday. <laughs> woo! Black Friday. Rip someone's arm off. Take care of business. Right. Taking care of business on Black Friday, and we've got to get that mixer. <laughs> Man, I want that. Sa- I want that salad spinner. Give me that salad spinner, Grandma. Oh, my back. Ah! Sorry, that's my uh, live. That's a live feed from uh, Comic Con. We're going live to uh, Black Friday here. Dollar General Black Friday. Well, we've got this six pack of paydays here. Anyway, all right. Jerry, you're the man. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Will do. All right, bud.